If you have one of the bulletins this morning, you saw the title of the message, What a Strange Way to Save the World. And part of the reason I asked the youth that they would do that skit this morning is it kind of puts in the skit form and the song, Noel, the first birth, about the birth of Christ. And as you saw on the stage, you had the extreme of the one side with a child being born. We saw the king, and then we saw the cross. And all that together seems like a strange way to save the world, doesn't it? Let's read this in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 21. It says this, And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In the NIV it says it this way, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You know, when you think about the reality of the birth of Christ and all that we celebrate, and you think about a baby being born in an animal manger, living 33 years on this earth, just to end up dying on a cross, that does seem a little strange, doesn't it? Seems strange that that would save all the people of the world, but we also got to remember that the Lord said that His thoughts are not our thoughts, and His ways are not our ways. Matter of fact, it says this in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And here's what he says about that comparison, okay? We've got to make sure we understand what he means with that comparison. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God, when he was saying that my thoughts and my ways are not like your thoughts and your ways, he's not saying, all right, I'm strange or you're strange. He's saying mine are just so much higher and holier than yours are and mine is that it seems a little strange. And when we say strange, if we say, you know, he acts a little strange, that's probably, I don't want you to raise your hand, but probably some of you have said that about the preacher before. He's a little strange, or he acts a little strange, or he does strange things. And when we say that, we're basically saying it's not the normal. It's not what we consider the natural way. But when you take in comparison the fact that the Lord said that His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts, is it really all that strange? The Bible tells us really kind of a, a reality of what God was thinking and what God's ways are and whether it really was a strange way to save the world from God's perspective. Because here's what I began to realize, and I think that you probably agree with me, isn't it normal to do strange things for those that you love? Only cowboy does strange things for those he loves. To that Irene said, Amen. People do strange things for those that they love. Matter of fact, if you don't believe that, come over to my house when my grandkids are over there. And they call me Gigi. Gigi does some strange things. 
You might see him crawling around on the floor with three grandkids riding on his back. You might see him tossing one up in the air and catching them. Or they like to do some of their acrobatic work across Gigi's back and over his head and all that type of stuff. Why, why do I do that? Sometimes uh, they kind of wear me out, but I'll do strange things for those that I love. And I imagine that probably some of you have done the same thing. And here's what the Bible tells us in John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now what is that verse trying to get across to us? That God loves us so much, He did something strange, right? He took His one and only Son, as one translation says, He took His one and only Son, sent Him to the earth to be born as a baby in a manger, hanging out with a bunch of shepherds and animals and, and just there in the midst of the hay and the stink and everything. Sent Him to the earth as a baby to live for 33 years and then to die on a cross. That's not natural, is it? It's not the norm. You might say it's kind of strange, right? But God, in what we would say is strange, was doing something strange because of how much He loves us. Now, as I look around, I said, you know that, and I know that a lot of people have out-of-town trips to make on Christmas weekend, you might say, or the season of Christmas. And there are other people who have family traditions that they do at a particular time at Christmas. But you know, there's just something about the fact that this is the Lord's birthday and celebrating His birth is what Christmas is all about that I just felt like for me and my house, it was the right thing to do. Because I remember how much the Lord loves me. And He was willing to do a strange thing to save the world and to save me from all my sins. So, is it such a strange thing? I think it's kind of normal from God's perspective to do something that seems strange in everybody else's eyes for those that He truly loves. But also I begin to realize that we do strange things when something's very important to us, don't we? It's kind of normal for us to do strange things when something is very important to us. And here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. That the Lord said this just before He's going to be crucified on the cross. He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And what the Lord was saying is, would you take this that I'm about to have to bear, this agony, this punishment, this mockery, if you could take all this from me, that would be great. And that shows the humanity of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? That not only was He God in that He knew exactly what had to be done, but from a human perspective, He was letting us know that wasn't something that He was looking forward to. So He said, Father, if it be possible, and if you're willing, take this cup, take this, this from me. But He said, and yet not my will, but yours be done. What was Jesus saying right there? I really don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to have to suffer the punishment and the pain. But whatever your will is, that's more important to me 
than what I'm feeling right now. And so the Lord knew that this was going to be a suffering that He was going to have to go through, and it was a strange thing for Him to have to do to save the world. But He was willing to do something strange because it was that important. You know what that means this morning? That you and I are that important to the Lord. That we're that important to Him. More important than what His personal feelings were. More important than what He personally, from a human perspective, would want to do. You and I are much too important for the Lord. And I found out, you know, that people do things that are important to them. I've seen people go without sleep because something was important to them. I've seen people spend large amounts of money because something was so important to them. And here God, looking down from heaven, said, this is that important to send my own son to save the world. And then I thought about another thing that I think we do strange things for. And that is, we do strange things when the results are what we want. We'll do strange things if the end result will turn out what we're really wanting. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Some translation says God is not slack concerning His promises. But He is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord's whole desire, God's whole desire was that the end result would be that you and I and that everyone would have the opportunity to receive the gift of salvation. And God understood that we couldn't do it for ourselves. He could not get the end result if He said, all right, I'm going to count on Cowboy and Jimmy and Marty and, and Susie. I'm going to count on them to just be really good and never mess up and live a perfect life. The end result will not be heaven because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so the end result, if He left it up to us, would be a place called hell. But God's end result that He wanted for us was heaven. And so He knew the only way that that could happen because the Bible tells us that God is holy and just and He must punish sin. And the Bible also tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, right? There's no remission. There is no forgiveness. So if God is holy and just and that there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood and that God requires a perfect sacrifice, the only answer was Jesus, wasn't it? Because He did what we could not do for ourselves. So if Lord looks at this and He says, you know what? To people it may seem strange, but to me it's something wonderful. And when you look at something being done strange and seeing what the end result is, what was the end result? I love these three things that if you got your app open, you'll see in, in your app the three things that were the end result of God doing something strange because He loves us, because we were that important, and because the end result was no other way. Here's the three things that ended up happening. If you see it looking there, it says, God with us. 
The end result that God was getting when he sent his son Jesus Christ was God with us. And here's what the Bible says in Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means, say it with me, God with us. Say it one more time. God with us. God sent his son Jesus Christ to be with us. That's the end result of this strange thing that we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. But the other result was not only God with us, but God in us. Here's what Colossians 1.27 says. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of His mystery. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. Not only that God is with us, but God is in us. Christ in us. You know, when we talk to little children about accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and we'll, a lot of times we'll make this statement, do you want to invite Jesus into your heart? And His Spirit come and live in you. That is God in us. And you know what? I don't think I've ever had a child say no. Because that just sounds too good and too wonderful. It also tells us that God is for us. God is with us, God is in us, and God is for us. And here's what it says in Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I love that verse in Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we'd say, nobody. If God is for us, then nobody can be against us. So I look at all that and I had to say, you know what? This is not such a strange thing. This is a wonderful thing. It's not such a strange thing. It's a wonderful thing. 